This is an Eye on Annapolis special update. All right. This is another in-person podcast. We're on the back deck talking with Jared Lippman, who is the owner of KMB True Value Hardware, and Dave Marburger, who is the owner of Bay Ridge Wine and Spirits, both down in Annapolis. But before we get into talking what we want to talk about, and that's sort of supply side and how we get product during a COVID-19, let's get to the important stuff. And thank you guys very much for what you're doing for the schools. Jared, you started this program many, many moons ago where your customers could donate a portion of their sales to name your school in, in the area. And KMB True Value would match a certain dollar amount. And this year, you guys agreed to match up to $5,000. And you've provided, I, I don't even know how much the total dollars is, but it's significant. Over $30,000 so far to the local schools. Over 30000 so far? Yep. That's unbelievable. In well, previous years. So uh, it's been up to $30,000 total from previous years. This year, I think we're going to hit $30,000 this year by itself. Is that switch on the microphone up, like toward the top? Yep. Okay. Now it is. Okay, cool. And sometime along the line this year, you went over and you like pinned Dave down in the parking lot and said. Yeah, I'll I'll tell you what happened. So um, in past years, we had asked customers for donations. And with our cap of $5,000, we'd always get close to around $5,000 by the end of the two months that we do it in October. And uh, so it worked out nicely. And we'd match the $5,000 and deliver $10,000 to local schools. And that's the way it worked the past couple of years. We had done different iterations that weren't as successful before that. This year... We started out the same way, except we were closing in on that $5,000 in the early part of September. And I didn't want to end the program early or mislead customers into suggesting that their donations would be matched once we already had $5,000. So I uh, approached David, and uh, he was immediately interested in the program and agreed to sign on, which I was very thankful for. And so now, at that point, we could tell our customers, if you donate up to $10,000, it'll be matched $5,000 from KMB True Value. $5,000 $5,000 from Bay Ridge Wine and Spirits. We're now over $8,000, approaching $9,000 in customer donations. So I thought sought a third sponsor, and I found one in Severn Bank. And so now we... Are, and you and, beat up Alan Hyatt in the parking lot. Of yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Alan was um, likewise uh, very interested in supporting our local schools as well and uh, signed on for the next 5000 So the first 5000 KMB is matching. The second 5,000 Bay Ridge Wine and Spirits is matching, and hopefully we'll have up to 15,000, and that last 5,000 Seven Bank will match. So in the end, if all things go well, there's $30,000 that's looking to go to our local schools this year. And it's not limited to public schools. It's, you know, whatever school is in the area. I mean, you've got St. Mary's and St. Anne's and Key and... Of course, all the public schools that are there, Annapolis High or Georgetown, Germantown. Yep. And a lot of people don't, necessar- don't necessarily donate to the school that their kid is in. They'll, I, we've had a lot of people ask, you know, which of the schools are most in need? And, and we have our opinions about that. And so we have been able to get uh, a good portion of money designated to all of the public schools. Well, way to go on a great program. Way to go to join in on this and uh, doing something for the schools. Because, I mean, the schools are going to need it. I mean, when they figure out what they're doing ultimately when in particular when you when you take a look and you listen to um all the changes um you know the virtual learning the virtual classrooms um you know there's not going to be a a a better time and and i'm not quite sure that's the right way to say it but there's not not going to be a time when the schools are more in need of of financing than it Um, is right now than it is right now without a doubt so you know and and you know from the school district they're going to get the bare minimum I mean, yes. and, and obviously, I mean, that's just a, that's a budgetary thing. I mean, you can't, sure. 
can't do it. So they do rely on the everything generosity. during COVID is more. So everything that was hard is more hard, is harder than it was. Everything that was expensive before is more expensive. You know, and these were schools that had needs before this, and they were using previous donations for very good purposes for different technology needs, incentive programs for uh, students, rewards. Um, to help teachers be creative and do, and do something extra special. And now with all the extra demands, they're going to just need more of everything. From me, from the community, from everybody, thank you guys very much for stepping up to the plate and uh, hitting hitting a home run to use a baseball euphemism, <laughs> which is being played now. So I'm kind of happy about that. I appreciate that. that. And just to make sure, sure the plug is accurate, we're uh, asking customers to shop at uh, Cane Beach Value and when they're at checkout to make their donation to their local school. Um, and that's all their donations are at Cane Beach Value. Okay, and that goes through the end of October, right? Correct. Very cool. Well, what we wanted is this whole podcast started from an email that uh, Jared and I were going back and forth on about how you get stuff in and what's the deal. I mean, I think you sent an email saying, hey, we've got like Lysol. And it was just like, okay, this, you know, flashbacks to like when there was toilet paper. It was like toilet paper, there's a mass people running across town because somebody's got toilet paper. And we got to talking about just the products and how they come in. I mean, you were fortunate enough uh, or unfortunate enough, depending on how you want to look at it, I guess, to remain open. You were an essential business, as were you, Dave, with Bayridge Wine and Spirits. You did chose to shut down for a period to figure out what you... We we closed our doors to customers coming in the store, but we remained open to do business. It right. was all via telephone, or um, and then that translated to either curbside pickup or delivery. So yes, our, right. we were still still doing business, and that's that's what you started out with as yep. well, right? Um, we had just almost exactly the same time frame and the same thought process, uh, except we also have a website. So we were close to foot traffic for about six weeks from the last week of March through May 9th. We opened up. We opened a little sooner than uh, David did, and in that between that time, those six weeks, we were taking orders from phones, from the website, emails, and uh, satisfying them through curbside and home delivery. And as I've described it to people, it's about um, double the work for half the sales. Yeah, well, that's that's about that's the way the way it goes, I guess, in a, in a pandemic. But I, I also want to caveat that anything I say that comes out as a gripe or a complaint, in the bigger context, I know. Our business has been incredibly fortunate to be able to stay open. And so, you know, I realize the bigger picture, other people, businesses have had it much worse. And so I, just for context, I don't mean a gripe oh, with, when I know we've had it extremely fortunate. No, without a doubt. I mean, anybody, no matter what level of business they're operating at this point, they're at a deficit and, and they're facing challenges and every business is challenged a little bit differently. But we want to talk about the supply chain. I mean, the thing blew my mind is, you know, the way toilet paper ran out. And I read an article recently, and this would be more geared toward you, Jared, is that um, Lysol wipes, the name brand wipes, they said they're not going to be available till like 2022 or something crazy like that. And I'm thinking, okay, well, the rush for wipes is down. I mean, they're not recommending, you know, wiping down our oranges with Lysol wipes or the cereal boxes and everything else that they did initially. Why aren't these guys, I mean, what's the deal with the supply chain? Where is it breaking? Well, I think I'd have a hard time answering that specific case of Lysol wipes, but I could speak more generally that you have so many different factors. Obviously, demand on some of those products is way up. And so you can't just, again, we get to, from Lysol's perspective, would you expect them to create a new facility to generate something that has this extra demand for a short amount of time, and by the time they make that investment and have a new facility, new production capability, 
maybe that demand disappears and they don't get a return on their investment. So that's difficult. You also have uh, a raw ingredient supply problem. So I don't know what all of the necessary ingredients that they're using, but I know like the ethyl alcohol or the uh, methanol alcohol, I'm, I'm blanking on which alcohols they were using, was hard to get for a long time in just as raw form, let alone the other supplies. Then you have to get each of those raw ingredients from one place to another. And so if a facility, and there were some facilities for some companies in Mexico that closed down completely. So if you can't get your raw ingredient shipped to you, then you can't make your final product. Um, so you have all these different, every piece had its own strains in ways that you could not even uh, fathom. Um, so a company like Lysol would agree to ship to its various partners in the same proportions that they had previously bought. So if a um, you know if your entity was always buying two percent, they weren't going to suddenly give you five percent or ten percent of their production because they want to be fair to all their dis- distribution partners. Well, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Well, I know that Dave, when we talked one time before on a podcast, we talked briefly about sort of second guessing the customers as far as ordering your inventory and figuring out you know what you need to stock what. You know what's going to be the hot seller this spring so we, or what? Everything that we stock in our store, we buy based off of historical records, and some to some degree, those records were basically thrown out the window when this pandemic started. For example, bag in the box wine, or wine that served in a bag that comes in a box. Nationwide, there was a huge run on bag-in-the-box wine to the point where the the manufacturers just couldn't keep up. I mean, you can't just snap your fingers and and make more grape juice appear um, and and turn it into wine overnight. Um, So the the manufacturer certainly struggled. And and the the switch went from 750 or 1.5 liter size bottles to those bag in the boxes. I guess people were were looking. Stocking stocking up. Stocking up. And and of course, it is a little bit more economical to buy it that way. Um, But back in the early stages, as we were discussing a couple minutes ago, there were so many unknowns. Um, would this be their last purchase opportunity to buy wine? How long will that wine have to last? When will it be available again? That's true. So it was very difficult to gauge. And, and I think people's buying patterns and habits has certainly leveled back off to to what our records more clearly indicate. But there was certainly a period of time where you just you never knew. Clos de Bois 1.5s we were out for months because our supplier was out. Um, Corona, Modelo beer, um, of all things, margarita mix, certain tequilas, um, production facilities in Mexico shut down for a period of time. And when you let a brand like Corona or Modelo, um, when you let that pipeline run dry, it's almost impossible to play catch up and to get that pipeline stocked up again. We're still having issues with, with those brands of beer. That's that's what I was going to ask. I mean, so you are still seeing, even though we seem to have gotten on a somewhat level playing field. I mean, I know now when I get up in the morning, I need to get my mask on. I need to, you know, we, we sort of know the rules that we need to play by. Are you finding that it's still, you're still finding that little hammer has been for your material, there, your, your there, supplies? Oh, sure. There's still some some uh, supply issues that, that we see. There's some businesses that are never going to recover. ShopVac has closed its doors. 
Um, a company, you might not know the name brand, Genova makes a PVC yeah. pipe. They closed their doors just before this, and uh, like in February, for good. So there was a scramble in the plastic resin business to make up for that business. Shopback's not in business anymore? Shopback is closed. Wow. Yeah. So there's there's businesses that are just closed for good and there's you know the customer might not realize the impacts but all of a sudden we're scrambling who who else unfortunately we've been buying this vac master as an alternative for some time so it wasn't that hard of a pivot for us but there's gonna be permanent changes for businesses who couldn't just cope um or you know had whatever problems production facility problems driver problems transportation issues personnel uh, work shortages um personnel turnover uh, just everything was just more difficult well, Every going back point. to Jared's point, raw materials, uh, I had, had had heard rumor, and I don't know whether this is fact or fiction, but I had heard rumor that Amazon had purchased all of the available cardboard that they could get their hands on because, of course, more people were doing more sure. shopping online. Amazon needs boxes to ship their products in. Um, so a lot of our manufacturer, a lot of our uh, distributors and suppliers, they didn't have cardboard to put their packaging in. Aluminum cans, same scenario. Um, there was aluminum shortage. And all. And as a matter of fact, there was a, an aluminum, what I'll call, challenge before COVID hit. So then COVID hit, and now all of a sudden um, it, it, it just uh, exasperates the, that, that issue. The paper one is an interesting one because before COVID, I, I knew the people who make like paper leaf bags and paper bags for the shop out, the checkout counter were anticipating shortages because a lot of government jurisdictions have banned plastic bags for leaf collection or banned plastic bags at checkout, which was great, but it had the consequence that paper wasn't already high demand for those two purposes. And so I didn't even think about the cardboard perspective, yeah. but uh, it just it's the same industry. Yeah. Uh, so everybody was scrambling. Yeah. To, to find the product, you know, some manufacturers may have had plenty of liquid to put in cans and plenty of liquid to put in cans and then put in cardboard, but they didn't have the cans, nor did they have the cardboard. So now what do you do? Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I, you know, to your point, Jared, as far as the packaging goes, I mean, with all the restaurants now pivoting to takeout and, you know, the jurisdictions, you know, Maryland did, or not Maryland, I don't think Maryland had gone yet, but I mean, Anne Arundel County certainly had and got rid of the polystyrene. And Annapolis had, so these I, I imagine their cardboard takeaway boxes were probably a little bit in demand as well as the paper straws and and everything else. If I could add in, it's a little bit off the, the supply issue, but just want to point out as far as changing needs. So people are increasingly buying online from Amazon and, and distribution centers like that. Let's just say Amazon, for instance. And so people, I get the benefits. It's more convenient. Um, a lot of times the shipping window is very small. You don't have to leave your house. You're worried about ma mask wearing and COVID. But the effect of that is now you're seeing all these businesses that are closing. And now you, people are like, well, I can't go buy a suit someplace. I can't buy a dress someplace because the people, the stores that were open to sell those things don't long, no longer have the demand. And so you see this cha huge change in retail needs um, that isn't going to bounce back. It's not like Has your online stop. business increased through this? Oh, yes, absolutely. Do you, now, you aren't allowed because of the stupid laws in Maryland to sell, sell, sell alcohol online. I mean, you could probably take an order to pick up. So I guess to tack on to the Amazon-like conversation, um, and I guess to answer your question specifically, our website, we do not have an e-commerce website, um, but that is shifting. So uh, within the first 
month, we said, you know what, we're behind the ball, and we are now creating a, a Bay Ridge Wine and Spirits app that you can download to your phone. Um, so you will be able to order um, through that portal. Uh, our website will turn to an e-commerce site. Now, I still can't ship to Frederick, Maryland, I, but I can do local delivery. And curbside pickup is here to stay. A lot of the app will be either for local delivery or for curbside, curbside. pickup. Um, you know, that's a terminology, you know, curbside that, that we, I guess we did it in the sense that you could have called and said, hey, can you set a case aside and here's my credit card number and I'll be by later on to pick it up. Um, but the actual stopping up at the curb and then walking it out, that part, you know, was just remolded, I guess. But um, that introduced its own challenges. All of a sudden, we needed space. I mean, we were both set up to do retail with, I'm imagining you have a small warehouse space, but mostly your retail. Same with us. Well, now we needed all the space to queue up or stage Storage. The, the curbside orders and the delivery orders, orders yeah. and, and how to be efficient on delivery. And those are just challenges that we hadn't dealt with before, which good problems to have. Glad to have the business. But it was just reusing space. And then when we went back to opening, I don't know if you probably dealt with this too, we still had all these orders queued up for delivery, but partly on the retail space. But now we had to welcome customers back in. Walking around other customers' bags of Yeah, and so we had to figure that out. That so needs we, to, there are challenges everywhere. And the curbside delivery and the carryout, I mean, I think, you know, in looking into the restaurant business, that whole model has totally changed. And I've talked to several of them. They said that they're doing, you know, 70 to 80% of their current business, which is certainly down from before, as carry out. And I think the American people, the consumer has realized, okay, I can get a good meal at the Annapolis Smokehouse. I can get it to take home and I can put it on my dining room table and eat it. And it's going to be, you know, aside from the, you know, the waitress or the server coming in and serving me, it's going to be just as good as it was. And the challenges I got to imagine for those restaurants are they don't get to charge people more money to do curbside, but they have more expenses. They have all those containers and utensils and that extra person that's got to be able to take the phone call and run that order in and out. So the restaurant, you know, I've never been in the restaurant business, but that's think about all those extra costs they have to tack on without being able to raise their prices. I've, I've heard that they that a lot of restaurants may be looking to shift their uh, raise their prices for in-house dining because of of the cost. Okay, at that point, then you do need to have a server, you do need to have silverware, you'd have to have a dishwasher to wash the dishes and and whatnot. So you know, I can get a steak at Lonis's for thirty bucks and walk up to the front door and they're going to give it to me, or I can go up and eat it in their dining room. It's going to cost me forty. Hmm. I don't know whether you know anybody here is doing that, but I had read a read an article where they were talking about doing that, which is you know interesting and it makes sense. It sort of recovers the cost. It gets back into that argument about these restaurants that pay the two seventy five an hour and make it up. Okay, well let's. Let's pay what we need to pay these people to make sure that they can make a living. And part of, part, going back to the supply um, point that you you want to focus on, a big problem that we have, and I, I'm curious, David's had the same issue, is we don't know how long customer demand will be on certain items. So, uh, say face masks, for instance. How you know we've been selling a lot of face masks. How many more, and for how long will people want? Continue to want new face masks versus uh, rewashing or reusing uh, disinfectant. Uh, we for a while couldn't get any disinfectant. Now now we got a lot of different options in. Uh, you know a lot of things might take three months to get in. I had to put my order in two months ago for the Christmas themed face masks. Inside you know um, how many Christmas themed face masks are people going to want to buy? I have no historical representative to your earlier point on that need or demand. I I think people will like them. It'll be exciting, kind of add some cheer to but it. But if Governor Hogan spikes the space, oh, there's a tough word to say. If Governor Hogan spikes the face masks next month, 
Yeah, you're and you're you're exactly, screwed. Exactly. So I had I placed the order, had to buy it. I, yeah, exactly. So we're reading the tea leaves. I don't. We don't need to get every decision right. We just need to get more of them right than not to make sure we can make up for the things. Like the the first um, hand sanitizer that became available was the liquid hand sanitizer. I still got like hundreds of bottles left. No one wants liquid hand sanitizer more because the gel version became available. Fortunately, I have the Purell and the nice Purell gel uh, hand sanitizer. I'm happy to sell it. But you know, I've got all this liquid that I'm selling for a dollar that cost me way, you know, multiple dollars that I'm just trying to keep from having to pour down the drain, basically. Wow, you would think that you could get that to local, some local businesses or something that that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, discounting you know huge percents just to. Like I said, just to. But I mean, I mean, how do you it. how do you forecast what you're looking for? I mean, I mean, obviously you've got supply chain issues where they're, you're not sure whether you're going to get Corona or whether they can ship it in a box and, well, and, and whatnot. I mean, things like the Corona and Modelo and, and the Margarita mix, I, I really have no control over that. Um, meaning, I, I I could order one case, I could order a thousand cases. I'm not going to get either. Um, my distributor really doesn't have any control over that. They they continue to order it. They just there's there's nobody on the on, from the supplier side that says, oh, I'm sorry, we didn't hear you. Here's your, you know, here's your four tractor trailer loads. Hmm. Um, so ours is a little bit more predictable. Um, I, I we have not we haven't brought any additional stock or inventory into the store for ancillary products such as masks or hand sanitizers that we didn't carry before. Now, I will tell you, we use Lysol wipes or other um, sanitizing wipes. We we go through a thousand a day, um, wiping down every single hand cart, every single door handle, every single light switch, every single credit card terminal, every single keyboard. So we use those, gosh, uh, a thousand times more than what we were using them before. So going back to the supply chain issue, you know, Lysol and other disinfectant wipes, there is a huge demand more now than there ever was before. And a lot of these manufacturers uh, just can't keep up because my store is no different than grocery stores. They wipe everything. A lot of retailers should, um, I, I would say, are wiping it down, but I think should is probably a better word to use, should certainly be wiping down everything in, they, in their store that they possibly can, commonly touched areas. So me needing more of those leads to Lysol not being able to keep up with their uh, with their production. And Lysol is just a name brand that people gravitate towards. It's it's just a name that they know and they recognize and they trust. So, But there are certainly a wide variety of other um, sanitizing wipes that you can use. Part of my what? point in, men- in mentioning just well, wasn't trying to complain about having, having a forecast. The point I was trying to build up to is if I've got to forecast what customers are going to want and for how long and, and how much – I may or may not, you know, every business is different. They may not be be willing to make that investment. So you were talking about going into stores and not finding stuff you need. It's partly because a, an individual an individual business owner might say, you know what, I can't afford or I don't want to take that risk of being wrong. And so th- it doesn't get ordered because they don't know how long you're going to buy it for. Then you have other issues of so- sometimes um, you're, you have, are buying so many things, you might have limited limitations on your credit on how much the supplier is willing to extend to you. You might have uh, limitations on your insurance coverage of being able to, how much, uh, if, if you're making something and you can't sell it. I read about this actually in, a, in one of the 
um, that if you're making something, their insurance was limiting their ability to ship to a retailer that wasn't paying cash up front for the product because they could only extend so much credit to their various distributors. Wow. So that, that was I wasn't just trying to complain about having to make these predictions. I'm just saying it, it adds in an extra layer of There's so many choices. moving parts to this. Yeah. And, you know, you, you talked about the usage of the wipes and whatnot, Dave. And I've got to think that you know, that's got to add just well, – you know your cleaning bill. I mean, let's talk. Okay, the PPE could be a, you know, almost a one type, but I mean the cleaning and the, the labor involved in cleaning down. And I, I think of both of your places. I mean, you with a gazillion bottles, and I don't think I'm exaggerating cans, you know, too much. And and you with probably a gazillion boxes and and you know little wrappy things and stuff. I mean, obviously you're not, you know, wiping down every bolt and every uh, can. Every well, we do run a fogger at night. Um, um, to to try to target that, and then during the day we're doing what David was describing as far as wiping commonly touched surfaces down uh, throughout every day, every hour, and then at night running a fogger throughout the whole store. Right. So when you're checking out, you know you, that that countertop is wiped down because the customer has probably put their hand down or fudged with their uh, wallet. And- yeah. I mean, we 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 spent the money on two. They're called hydroxylator uh, fans. Uh, and it's, and I'll wow you with a little bit of information. Um, it's actually technology that's used on the uh, space shuttle um, to purify the air and keep odors out and to eliminate germs. Um, it's built off of that same technology. Well, we have two of them. Um, the two of them combined cost us about $5,000. Now, that wasn't a, an expense that I had budgeted for. Sure. Um, but it's one of those things where um, it, it, it makes us who are in the store all day long feel a little bit more comfortable. Um, and I hope that it makes our customers feel more comfortable. And it, and it kills the germs that may be laying around the store. But that's not something that I budgeted for. It wasn't anything that I planned for. Just part of what you have to do. I mean, and, and the wipes and the wipes are included. You know, even though I have those fans running, I still wipe everything down all the time, all day long. There's, it's just so far-reaching. It's like a giant game of whack-a-mole. You know, you, you hit something down, and up pops another another issue that you need to deal with. I, what what does it look like? I mean, we don't know when this is going to end. We don't know when we're going to get a uh, vaccine or get it under control, or it's just going to go away. You know, whatever whatever happens. I mean, what you're just going to continue to you do the best you can. I mean, that's. I guess that's all any business can do. Yeah, yes, doing the best we can and making decisions as we go. Um, we're planning as if people are going to be wearing masks and living in this environment for another six months. That I don't see anything changing. Um, less than that, even if there's a vaccine, that it'll need to be distributed and adopted and proven before we feel safer. Yeah, I mean, I'm not first in line on that one. That's for sure. Right. So yeah, yeah. Even if we're you know we started each taking the vaccine, it's still going to you know they've got to make millions and millions, hundreds of a uh, few hundred million for this country alone, let alone the demands elsewhere. But yeah, the hard part is that some goods are made overseas, as we know. So if you're placing orders and you're doing it months and you got to do it months in advance, that's that's what we're projecting six months at least. Yeah, our buying is our buying is a little bit more predictable, although um, there are certain circumstances. The way our pat, the way the patterns of, of buying go for us is, you know, filling the you know Chateau ABC Winery. I basically can buy that um, all month long, um, and as and as long as my distributor is not coming to me saying, "Hey, listen, we're going to run out," I, there's no need for me to panic buy, um, and I can follow my normal buying patterns. Now, uh, if a if a distributor does come to me and says, "Listen, this this product is going to be gone." 
um, but we still have some in inventory, sure, we'll take a position on it. How big of a position depends upon the rate of sales of that particular product. If it's something that I don't sell a tremendous amount of, I might take another case or two. If it's something that we sell a lot of, I'll obviously take a much larger position. Sure. You know, I, my eggnog, I have to order a lot of my eggnog actually in the month of August when it's, you know, 96 degrees mm-hmm. outside. That's when I have to forecast and give my, my, my order quantities to be received in October or November. Um, you know, I, ha- I sat down and had a conversation with Anthony Clark from Galway Bay about his eggnog specifically. And it's a seasonal item. It sells very well during the holidays. But what are the holidays going to look like? True. Um, your Christmas trees, your lights, your wreaths, you know, all Christmas decorations. I, you know, uh, you're not packing up the family to go to your aunt and uncle's house or grandma's house for Thanksgiving. So a lot of the people in the Annapolis community that would be traveling will now be here in town. And those people that would have come into town aren't coming to town now. Does that mean that you're instead of having a, a dinner for 24 people, is it only going to be the three, four, five, six of you? Same thing for Christmas. What what am I, you know, um, I will assume as of today's date that Christmas parties aren't going to happen, or at least not the way that we've that we know. known them to be. So how big of a position do I take on eggnog? How big of a position do I take on, you know, my sparkling wines, champagnes? But on the other side, for me, compared to Jared's products, I know I'm going to sell that product eventually. And I'm not going to, I wouldn't take such a big enough position that I would be, you know, strapped Sitting for, on it for five years yeah, or something. Yeah. Well, uh, what is okay? The eggnog. I know Anthony's eggnog comes from Ireland. Um, I don't know whether all eggnog does, but and you'd mentioned you've got a lot of foreign products that come in there, and I, I know the transportation between, certainly for travel between most countries in the United States is is not really happening. Is that? I mean, are we? If I need a case of French wine, I mean, what's that coming over on a slow boat? It was at first. Uh, I think that's that's eased a, a little bit, and and uh, imported wine was also caught. Not just wine, but uh, imported products were were also caught up in our industry with the uh, tariffs that were added. Um, so there was a little bit of that slowdown that started even pre-COVID, um, and then it it again was highlighted a little bit um, during the height or the peak or the beginning, whatever the right terminology is of COVID, but things have loosened up. We're still not finding, you know, rosés, our rosé selection. We, our rosés, we, we happen to focus more on imported, uh, small produced French rosés. We didn't have the selection that we had last year. Um, some of them never made it, uh, to, to the United States. Um, some of them, we just opted not to bring in, not knowing what our customer traffic was going to be like. It's a little bit easier for us. Uh, I'm guessing that, Jared, you with your face masks or, or other items like that, yeah, it's those, a little bit more difficult. Looking at patio heaters as an example, you can't get a patio heater now. Um, someone back in July mentioned that me, off my list. Yeah, <laughs> someone back in July said, you know, as all these outdoor gatherings happen in colder weather, people are going to want some patio heaters. You might want to get some. I, I cleared out whatever inventory I could from my distributor. And I brought in, you know, what I could. I've now sold through all the patio hooters I brought in, and I can't get any more. So I guess my message to customers is plan ahead. <laughs> is you know we've got fire pits back in stock, but fire pits have been in huge demand. At some point, I won't be able to get any more. 
um, think about ahead of what you're going to look like and don't wait to buy. Get you it, know, I, get I'm it sitting now. here. My head right now is just sort of at the end of summer and the weather's starting to break a little bit cooler. But I really should be thinking more like New Year's. Yes. Uh, yeah. You you got to think now, I think, you know, to whether it's eggnog or fire pits. Yeah, you got to start thinking. At, now, basics, like uh, toilet paper is easier to get now. And that's not as a seasonal item. So I don't think retailers worry about having too much. Um, and basic things I sell, air filters, just as a random example, you know, I, I don't think you're going to have a, an issue. But it's more of the seasonal type of stuff you need to think, be thinking about three, four months in advance now. Here, here's a question on toilet paper. I don't know whether any, any of you guys would know this answer. But we obviously had the pro- issue with it where you – I mean there were stores that were generous enough to be giving away like one roll for a customer and different things like that. But And we had that big shortage for whatever reason. But now it seems that it's all over there. And I know the local giant where I shop, they've got pallets. And it's imported from Mexico, you know, Mexican toilet paper. Why, you know, why hasn't Scott and Charmin gotten back up onto the production level? I mean, the demand has eased a little bit yeah. unless it's, you know, just unless it's a buying decision on the behalf of Giant where they might be able to get it for less money. I don't have a complete answer for you, but I could just tell you pieces of it are the, just like I was talking about earlier about re- redoing your whole manufacturing process. You got to go back to the thought uh, these the, the toilet paper making companies were making a certain amount for offices and a certain amount for residential use. Now, all that toilet paper people buying for offices and commercial use isn't being used, and so they've had to increase the amount they need for residential use. So it's a huge shift in their production capability. Um, we were talking earlier, maybe it was off the record, about the demands on the paper and pulp industry on making paper bags and cardboard. Was that was on the that was, record? That was here. Okay. All right. I didn't know if it was on the record yet or not. Where that evil Jeff Bezos was buying up all the, yeah. <laughs> all the just, cardboard. Yeah, so I don't know if we were on the record yet or not. But, yeah, uh, paper supplies are really tough right now to get uh, adequate supplies of. So that's part of the toilet, making, toilet paper making industry. I read a fascinating article in – I don't remember where it was, but they were talking about – I'm going to misquote what it was, but it was the uh, white-collar support industry. And it's like a $3 trillion industry, and it's in these cities. And it's, it's – it's the guy that shines shoes in the subway stop. Mm. It's the baristas in the Starbucks's Starbucks's that are in a large office building. I, I know there's some buildings in Manhattan that have two or three Starbucks within the building on different right. floors that they're looking at ghost towns. And they did talk to a shoe shine guy and he says, you know, I would come in at six o'clock in the morning and I would leave here at eight o'clock at night and I'd be just have my my ass kicked. He says, now he says if I can make it to 10 o'clock in the morning, he says it's not even a part-time job. And they said, you know, the office supplies have been decimated because people are going out there. And I, you know, personally, I would not want to be a commercial uh, real estate investor or an owner of commercial real estate. My daughter's company uh, just had, uh, they signed a lease. They haven't moved in yet, but they've got three floors at 30 Rock in New York. And I was, I just, just out of curiosity, out of morbid curiosity, I looked up what commercial rental rates were up there and this close to I figure they're paying about three quarters of a million dollars per floor you know so they're looking at 2.7 million dollars a month for their employees to sit at home right and and I think it's gonna be fascinating the change in how we do so many things once even COVID is solved because not all businesses will go back to doing it the way they used to there'll be some portion that is working from home and so you'll people realizing they could live in different places than they were and then some people will see extra opportunities, whether to live in Manhattan or in D.C., that previously didn't make sense with uh, with office use the way it was. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be 
fascinating. Well, I think a lot of people are doing this now and they're realizing that, you know, businesses realize that they can get a lot of, you know, obviously not the retail stuff, but get a lot of business done remotely. And people are moving, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to move out of that closet I'm renting in San Francisco for $5,000 a month and, and buy a, a 200 or not buy, but rent a 200 acre ranch in Montana and see if I like it. And maybe that's live there for two months. Hey, I like it or I don't. And it's, it's very interesting to see how people can do and how to you know react. Yeah, pe- uh, people in general, all businesses are completely readjusting. Obviously, retail, restaurant, um, but uh, I think every industry is completely readjusting. Where you work, you know, to your point, um, if you want to, if you want to rent um, or even buy some commercial real estate. I'm sure you can get it for a pretty good price right about now. Um, but think about all that lost revenue, though, with that any one commercial building. Um, you know, think about the people that that weren't paying their mortgages because they lost their jobs. Well, I mean, the the, the somebody somebody's responsible for all that money. It has a stopping point, um, and it, you know you can't pass the buck all the way back to that person. Right, but so losing it. the landlord's using it, losing it if they yeah, had a, you, you had lose a tax revenue, uh, property tax. I mean, there's all all of it. It's, it's it's all interconnected in some way, shape, or form, and it all goes back to you know, production. Some of it, it's all interconnected. If you can't get cans to put your beer in and you can't get the cardboard chippers to place it, um, you know. You're dead in the water. That's right. And well, I've talked to a couple of people that have had uh, landlords and, and it's funny, the business, the buildings that are owned, the landlords tend to be a lot more reasonable versus the ones that have the mortgage because the banks aren't really being reasonable to them. I know I talked to one business in Eastport that the building was recently sold, and they've got several different tenants. And they're like, yeah, no, I mean, uh, you signed the agreement, and rent's going up today. And it's like, but we're in the middle of a pandemic. He says, yeah, but we've got that agreement. And then there's another one that says, yeah, no, as soon as it's hit, I cut them down 75%. And now I'm slowly bringing them back Depends up. Depends upon how much of the principal still owed on that business yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> or on that property. <laughs> exactly. Well, and the other thing that I've noticed a lot when shopping, and, and we'll just say like a, a Best Buy or something like that, these or and, and it would sort of apply to you. It doesn't apply to you, but it would – your type of a business more so than your state, but they're pushing people to online. Okay. I, I look online or something like that. I'm, I want a widget or something like that at Best Buy or a microphone. And I, I go there and they don't have it, but they say, Hey, we can either transfer it from another store in and you can pick it up and that'll be a day or two, or we can ship it right to your house um, directly there. And I mean, they're just not taking the, the stake in inventory anymore. And I think that's going to be a real mind shift for consumers because, I mean, you know, we like to go out and, I mean, I, I go into your store all the time and, you know, I get, can I help you? I said, no, I'm just looking at beer. I'm looking at cool labels. I'm looking to see what is new and interesting and might excite me. Um, I, I'm not looking for a specific recommendation. I'm not saying, oh, my palate is a feeling like an IPA or whatever it is. And I think that we're going to change in, you know, that type of a thing where we're not able to, you know, the touch and the feel. And that's the thing that really frightens me. If you're a large company like a Best Buy or a Home Depot, you can do that because all that money still stays within the family, right? You have Mm -hmm. that, you you can send that customer home and they can still buy from Home Depot or from Best Buy. But when you talk about small businesses, we we lose that. That's that's instantly revenue that's lost to us. So, uh, you know, as much as I want to make it convenient and Jared wants to make it convenient for a customer to buy online, we still want them to buy online from us. Oh, without without a doubt. America starts on Main Street and Main Street could be, Bay Ridge Road, it could be Main Street, West Street, or Maryland Avenue. It doesn't matter what it is. And it is just so essential for our businesses, for our people to support 
our local businesses. And I mean, that could be some franchises and stuff like that. I mean, I know they may have the big name and stuff like that, but there's a local person that's bought that franchise that's hiring local people. And I think now more than any other time in our lives that I can remember, it is really critical for that. You look at I would say, though, not just for the sake of preserving those business businesses and for that business owner, but just for the person who wants to have a shopping experience when they want to go into a store and compare one option versus another in person and be able to touch and feel it. If you only do it a tenth of the time because the other nine times you could buy it online, you're not going to have that opportunity to do it that tenth of the time if you, do, if you don't move more of your shopping experiences in person. No, you're not. And that checking the checkbox and, you know, compare these three items online is, is certainly not, not, you know, I've gone into your store, Jared, many times with a, you know, with a thing that I needed to fit on like a bedpost and mm-hmm. a little, I don't even know what the heck it was called. It was that thing that a needed widget. to get. Yeah. And, and I looked up there and I said, Hey, that was the widget aisle. It was the perfect, right. <laughs> you've got the crazy signs up there, but it's, you know, right. widgets and witchcraft and, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's all. It's it's about the experience. It's about the community. It's about making uh, the community that we live in. I mean, I don't want to live in a world uh, where my kids are sitting at a dining room table getting their education. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my wife or girlfriend is in her room shopping for Christmas online. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I mean, I've bust up on eBay a bunch of times, which is uh, you, know, you find something unusual. But it's we lose an awful lot of the community if we don't support our local businesses. And that's just so critical, I think, at this point in time that everybody gets that message. Well, and we're all, all three of us and anyone listening is so extremely lucky to live in this community because this is a very giving community. I mean, the the, the amount of support that the people here show, um, not just our businesses, but but all of the other small family-owned businesses. And I, you don't have to look any further um, than the program that Jared is running for the donation to the schools. I mean, look at that. I mean, that's that's a that's ten thousand dollars that came out from the community that, and they they said we want to help these schools. We want to donate this money, and that's and that happens all over Annapolis every single day. So we are lucky and blessed to be a part of that. Well, it is. I remember um, Monica from Bread and Butter Kitchen started the. Um Pete and Rundle immediately when that happened. And she said, hey, you know, all these businesses are all these restaurants are going to have to shutter. Let's give them some money to keep the lights on. They're on dim, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's, they're, they're on. And there are people that are that are employed. And let's get food in the hands of people that need food. And, and, and it, it just snowballed there. I mean, and we've got, you know, there's a million, I didn't say a million, but there's an awful lot of people like... Alan Hyatt, like Dave Marburger, like Jared Lippman, like uh, Monica, that are, that are doing this day in, day out here for the community. Uh, some you know about and many you don't know about that are, you know, making making it work and making it better. I think, you know, the restaurants have, you know, finally, you know, unfortunately, it took a pandemic to get a lot of the restaurants in downtown to realize that we need to come together. We need to be, you know, some glue and work as a group. And I think that's that's a, that's a great thing. I think there's so many ways. I, I know SOFO has, uh, which is South of Forest Drive Community, no, it's not South of Forest Drive Business Association, yep. is coming together. And I mean, they're doing great things. You guys have just put up um, one Annapolis poster is on the bus stops. You're having uh, it will be past tense because I'm not going to edit this before that. But there is a movie night at the Bay, you know, near Bay Ridge Wine and Spirits coming up where you're going to do Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, these are these are all community. There's no cost to that. You come on out there. I think you probably haul out your. Po- you're probably not hauling out your popcorn machine anymore. Not right now. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep, not this year. <laughs> 
I heard you say you don't know anything about the restaurant business. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, there's there's all sorts of things that are going on for the community. That the community has come together in this really unique time, and uh, you guys certainly have spearheaded it. You know, the message out to everybody that's listening is to make sure that you uh, support uh, these guys, and I use that sort of inclusively and exclusively of the two gentlemen that are sitting here. But it's it's small business. Uh, they've got struggles, and others are struggling more than others. Uh, supply chain issues. The lessons are look ahead plan ahead and um you know be patient i think patience is actually a good thing to have I, Yo, well, off, yeah. off, 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 off the record <laughs> amen we were, brother i'll point out the employees that we've never shut down david's never shut down we've been wearing masks all the time when we're in the store for six months now and uh, you know we're doing our best to keep our patients but you know employees are stressed and it's they have a tough job right now and so my uh big thanks to my uh, staff i know david feels the same way about his staff uh, I, I will a great say that job you two have time. probably some of the best staff in town, I guess you guys can 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 vouch for that as well. Um, I mean, we, think we do. Oh, without a doubt, give a huge shout out. Um, I mean, our, I I when we were closed and our phones were ringing off the hook and we were running 13 miles a day, filling shopping carts full of or, people's orders and managing the 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 caravan of cars. Uh, that that snaked through our parking lot. Of course, it was nobody but our staff inside the store, and we all communicate via radio. And I still remember coming out with with a tear in my eye. I came out over the radio and said, I, "I'm not. I've never been more proud of a group of people to work with than you guys." And I meant that from the bottom of my heart because everybody was giving it a thousand percent. And it's just what it would have been easy, and probably for some people economically it would have been better for them to leave and take advantage of um, all the all the government money but they stood in they rolled up their sleeves they tied their shoes on extra tight and they came to work and they busted their butt every single day i'm i'm proud of what we accomplished uh you know it was a complete shot in the dark for a period of time no one had ever there, there's not a handbook for this right. um and, and yeah I'm, I'm i was proud of that so i appreciate you bringing that up no they are and, and jared i mean you've got t- typically i mean david yours are older people I'm not saying old, but I mean they're. Are you they're, calling my staff old? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're more mature. They're over. Tw- they're the over twenty-one crowd. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the proper way that. to say that. Let's go with that. The over twenty-one crowd. And but Jared, you've got an awful. You've got a lot of young young people there as well, and uh, they. I don't know where you find them. Maybe they're you know Chick Fil A graduates, you know, graduates was, or something like that. But there was there was one point in uh, I think this was still April when we had a few employees choosing to stay home because they were just feeling unsafe, and so the employees who were left were just over. It was overwhelming, and I had my my wife and my fifteen year old. Was she fifteen at that point? Yeah, she was already fifteen at that point in the store, and we were all working really hard. My wife had a virtual book club one night, and she was just saying describing what was going on at the store. And uh, we actually got like three or four applicants the next day from the children of the people in, in her book club. And that led to other uh, people, friends that they brought in. So I have to really thank my wife and uh, her group of friends helped us out. Well, that's funny. I've gotten, uh, you know, I only had one issue at your store when they, when I got bounced out for not having a mask. I was, yeah. out, I was, I was out on a walk. We solved, we solved that one. We now if you show up without was, a mask. Well, that, well that's, that's ultimately what I did. I said, I said, can and I, 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 I thank you for the idea? Cause I didn't really thought about it before you. Can I can I just pull my my shirt up and go yeah, back? I know want, I, I just need an air filter. I, yeah. I know exactly where we, they are. I said I want to make your, a beeline. And the irony is, we don't want to see your belly button by you pulling up your shirt. It was like, it was like no. We no, will give you, you a free it. courtesy, yeah. uh, single use mask. Yeah. Well, it's uh yeah no and and again that's just something that, again you, you've got a fairly sh- 
tight parking lot, you've got a fairly expansive one where you are. And I mean, that's something that, you know, you've humped your way across the parking lot. Oh, man, I hate, you know, and, and I, I did that. I walked to breakfast at Maine nice Maine ingredient, Maine Market the other day, and I forgot my mask. And I'm like, hmm, I'm like, okay. If you ever, if you ever find yourself out and about and you've forgotten a mask, Bay Ridge will be more than happy to give you one. <laughs> I have them at the front door that I pass out to people. And I've done the same thing. I get out of my car sometimes not thinking, and I, I go to reach for that door handle of whatever business I'm going in. I'm going, I can't go in. And I have to turn around and turn go around back and to do my it. car. So, I mean, it's, I think it's human nature. It's, it's, it's a mindset getting used to it. And uh, I would think that you two are probably a little bit more used to it now because you're wearing it too often. But I, I don't, for the most part, except when I go out. But um, I want to thank you both for – Taking the time today, which is probably secondary to the leadership you've shown in doing what you're doing with the schools and the thing. For everybody that's listening, get into KMV True Value. Buy stuff by the end of October. October 31st. And um, donate to the school of your choice, whether it be the one that needs it the most or the one that you want to support the most. Uh, Dave Marburger from Bay Ridge Wine and Spirits. you know, always been around for a long, long time, second generation. Now you're calling me old. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, we'll call it spade a spade. Okay. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, Bay Ridge Wine Spirits has been around a long time. I mean, it's your second generation. Correct. Yeah, so that's um, your business. Uh, uh, we just celebrated our 29th year. Not quite as old as you. No, we're for, we're in you're 46. 40s. You're wow. yeah, you're 46 right now. Um, so, and also a second generation. Obviously started before I joined the business. <laughs> you're, you're, you're second generation too, right? I you, am. You haven't gotten into the third I, I think yet. we're both the in-laws of the gen, of the second generation, right? Correct. Yeah. 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 Is there a third generation coming on for you? you yes. Yeah? Yeah, I don't know about that yet. <laughs> <laughs> at least that's what he says. My, my son says that, that that is, uh, and he works at the store in the summer times. Um, How old is he? Uh, 20 right now. Okay. So... My son said he was in when he was eight years old, but I'm not sure I'm going to hold him to that. So we'll see about that. (laughs) Fantastic. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks, John. This has been an update from Ion Annapolis. Please visit us at ionannapolis.net. Follow us on Facebook at All Annapolis and on Twitter at Ion Annapolis. And if you haven't subscribed to the Daily News Brief podcast, go for it. And all of your local news will be delivered to your phone, tablet, or smart device by 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday.